Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're here, Lord. Thank you that not only you're here, but you're everywhere. You're with us every day, every minute, every second of every day. Like David said, I could lay my bed in Sheol and you're there. I could go to the highest heights, you're there. Wherever we are, you are, Lord. We just thank you for that, Father, that you're always looking out for our best interest, Lord. Thank you. You knew the end from the beginning, Lord. You thank you for that perfect plan, that perfect life that you have for us. No matter what happened, no matter what wrongs happened, what maybe even some wrong turns we made, Lord, that you're always there to reroute us, Lord. Just like a GPS. You get wrong, you reroute us, Lord. That you're continually there working to make all things work together for our good. We rejoice in all things as your word says. We rejoice in all things. Yes, Lord. Lord, we just want to worship you this morning, Lord. We want to we worship you in spirit and truth, Father God. We just pray, have your way in this place today, Father God. Anything that's said, done, sang, prophesied, any word, Lord, I just pray that you open our heart, Lord. Give us a better revelation of, of you, your word, your love, who you are. Anything, God. It's about you we're here. We are here because of you, Father. Thank you that we could be together in this country still with our family here. Thank you for my family here. Thank you for this family that you've knitted together. That's a beautiful tapestry right here in this church at 532 Main. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We just worship you, Lord. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Oh, to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Thank you. 
Yes, let's come and let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Where you're rich in love 
and you're so to angels. Your name, your name is great, and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, I worship His you, Lord. We sing of your great power. And Lord, every morning we sing with joy about your unfailing yes. love. You are our oh, refuge, our place of safety. So we'll rejoice. We'll rejoice. We'll rejoice. Amen. For this is a day yes. that the Lord has made. So we'll rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. Lord has made. 
Yes, Lord. Thank you, God. Put your mercies on you. Thank you, God. Put your mercies are new. Every day, every morning, your mercies are new, God. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how many times we fall. It just matters how many times we get up. And we thank you, God, that you're always there. Like Peter's thinking, you're always there to grab our hand, Father God. We thank you for that, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Universal. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. I would like to share with everybody today how totally blessed we are in this room. I just returned my best friend. I had a childhood best friend whose parents cared for me when I, my parents were going through a horrible divorce. <clears throat> she married a man, her first husband, that was an awful individual, and she had three children by this man. I love those kids. And I was a young, we were both young mom. I mean, I wasn't a mom at that point, but I took those kids under my wing as Melanie tried to financially survive because he left her with nothing and three children. The littlest one, Samantha, looked just like me. She had big brown eyes, kind of a large nose, curly hair, and we both looked very Jewish, and a lot of people thought she was my daughter. I love this kid. She grew up to be a beautiful young lady, got her master's degree, arts and everything. And four weeks ago, she committed suicide. I went back to Florida to be with my girlfriend. And it became very clear to me that at that point, we had split so strongly. And the split that I became a Christian, and she became an atheist. Her child was calling out to her, but Melanie was too busy with her now extremely wealthy husband to be in Europe. She developed very ill during this COVID BS that we had to deal with. It wasn't COVID, but she became fearful of even going outside. This young lady has stayed in her house for two years. During this period of time, her partner, who owned restaurants, lost all of his restaurants, and they were going into bankruptcy between her illness and her financial hardship. And lack of financial support, she could no longer survive. She could not carry on. And I came back here and I realized that no much how much money you have, how many places you travel, where you go, or what you do, without the Lord in your life. And let me tell you, those people, this is my best friend from childhood, hated me during this period of time, blamed me for supporting Trump. And I took her, and I, you know, I said to Melanie, if you must transfer your anger and your hatred to me, then so be it, do it, Melanie. I will accept it. You know, it's not a problem. And I came home to a loving husband. He didn't go with me because he figured it was between me and my girlfriend. And I walked into this church with loving people and a loving pastor. I want to tell you, God does not want us to fear. We are Christians and we are carrying this fight. It's a small group of us, but we're doing it. We're carrying it. I listened to Trump's presentation last night. The man is fearless because I really believe the hand of God is on his shoulders. And we need to continue to fight and fight this, fight fight for our children, for our country, for our faith. And I want to sincerely, sincerely thank the Nicolas 
for their stance and their love and their compassion and their understanding. And for Joe, for you continuing to fight the good fight. We can't give up. We have to continue to battle because our children need us to do this. Thank you. You know, I was reminded when Tony was speaking, uh, the scripture in Psalms 97 5 that says that the mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. We've got seven mountains up there. They melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. So we need to bring the presence of the Lord to those mountains and not give up. We need to stay the course and we need to give glory to God in those mountains. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish all that I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown and for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Amen, amen. Deuteronomy 31. This day I call heaven and earth to witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. That you and your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to His voice and hold fast to Him. For the Lord is your life. And He will give you many years in the land that I swore to give to your fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My prayer for all of us today. Lord, open up all eyes, open up all hearts, may this world follow you and expose the truth. Lord, you expose yourself to all, Lord. Help us all understand you you are our almighty Father who carry us all throughout every storm. Amen. Amen. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are not a God. 
your time began. You were on your throne. We know you are God alone. Right now, in the good times and bad, you were on your throne. You are God alone. declaration to these seven mountains of society, we say to you that the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, and the world, and all that live in it. For the Lord founded it upon the seas, and he established it upon the waters. So who may ascend the hills of the Lord? Who may ascend the hills of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy places? It is he who has a clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol, or swear by what is false. And he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. So lift up your head, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in, because he's coming. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in seven mountains. Open up. And who is the King? Who is he? Who is this King of glory? He's the Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. So be it. Lord, we've seen your goodness. And we know the way you are. You give us eyes to see you in the dark. Your face, it shines a glory that we only know in part. And there is still a longing, a longing in our hearts. You revive me. You revive me, Lord, and all my deserts are rivers of joy. You are the treasure I could not afford. 
Look for nothing new. There is nothing new under the sun. What is changing is a return to the old. The new has grown stale. The old has stayed fresh. We are turning, returning to the old way, the old path, what has been established. It may be new to you, but it is old. Your foundations, O oh God. They are true and strong and steadfast, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you have certainly blessed us beyond what we deserve. Hallelujah. There is nothing like your presence that we can experience your presence every moment of every day, no matter where we're at or what we're going through. To you be all the glory. God is an awesome God. And He reigns. 
above all of his creation. And yet he considers each one of us in a very personal way. I think I've shared with you about my oldest son. His name's Jerry, too. And uh, he had a massive heart attack a few years ago. Has 23 stents. Got five the first time and four and then six. And I don't know how all that went. But kept having problems. And uh, they couldn't put in any more stents. And there was part of his heart that was dying because of all of these issues. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, he got fired from his job because he was taking up for a coworker who was being abused by a supervisor. And he had this bad report on his heart. He was pretty bummed out about all that. But um, went in, I, I think, for his regular whatever checkup last week. And they found that a uh, new artery was growing around his heart. Amen. So uh, that's amazing. And then because he's good at what he does in the workplace, he's had lots and lots of job offers. But uh, the ones that he needed or wanted were eluding him and then Friday he went in for an interview and looks like he has a new job so I uh, I've also shared with you how he's been angry most of his life and uh, that has separated him from God. He wasn't distant from God, just there was this issue. And with the heart attack and all the things that have happened, it has softened his heart. And the anger is at least greatly diminished, if not gone. I, I don't know if anger has gone from any of us, but uh, not for me. Anyway, I just wanted to share with that with you because it, it seems like, at least me personally and a lot of people I know, we need to know almost on a daily basis, if not an hourly basis, how good our God is and how much love He has to be a, I can't think of a nicer way to say this, Piling up for us. And uh, so, open up your hearts. He has a, he's got a wild adventure waiting for uh -huh. you. I mean, wild. 
<laughs> so. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Bless the Lord. Well, I want to uh, thank you. Um, Elisa brought up last Sunday um, that I had some issues going on, some health issue, and I want to thank you if you had prayed for me. Um, come to find out, um, I had a kidney stone. And uh, so, matter of fact, I have it with me. I want to show it to you. Um, it was a little large, and uh, it was kind of in the shape of an arrowhead, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, we might we might do that. I, I want to sign it first. That's all right. Yeah, um, arrow baby. That's my arrow baby. So thank you for your prayer. Um, it is now my sixth stone baby. <laughs> Not stoned baby, but stone baby. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was, yes. Yeah. You don't have to feed it or educate it. You just have the pain of it. <laughs> hey, this coming Wednesday, we're starting a five-week course. Matter of fact, Jerry, do you want to say anything about it? Jerry's presenting um, a course on biblical citizenship. It's, it's, of course, I was a little bit mistaken. It's by Rick Green, not, um, not someone else, <laughs> Kurt Cameron. Um, but anyway, it's basically going back to our principles that are founded on biblical principles that help found our country, establish our laws, our governance. Um, it, it's very educational. Um, basically, just bring back everything you've, well, as far as most of our age, you, you were taught originally. They don't do that anymore, but uh, it would be a good refresher, a good reinforcement to get us back to governing our country, not just sitting back and watching things go wildly. Amen. So we need to be actively involved, and uh, so we'll start that on Wednesday. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. everything into good perspective. We're starting at um, 6.30. 6.30, yeah. Right here. Same station. Same back table. <laughs> if you have to come late, bring a doctor's note. <laughs> hey, also, uh, one last uh, uh, announcement. We could use some help. Actually, Sarah can use some help back there in the sound booth. 
And uh, if you would like to volunteer, you know, a Sunday a month or whatever you can do to help, that would uh, be greatly appreciated. And Rex had a testimony. You want to come up and share? And... Oh. <laughs> do you want to touch my stone? <laughs> testimony of Jesus, like, uh, is so good. You know, we've heard testimonies here this morning. A testimony of Jesus working in our lives today, present-day miracles. Uh, so, yes, last week, um, Joe was preaching more about declaring things and speaking into situations. You know, Jesus went about doing good and speaking, declaring. He never did anything the same. Everything was different all the time. You just never knew. It's like the wind of God. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit because we just don't know what's going to happen. It is an exciting life and mm-hmm. who knows where he's going to take us or what he's going to do. So anyway, uh, as Joe was speaking on that last week about not just praying for one another, but actually speaking, declaring it, then at the end of the service, the sister stood up and said, I perceive that you've got some pain issues and things like that going on. And then, and then he admitted it. And then uh, later she came to me and she said, Let, let's go pray for Joe. And I said, no. <laughs> so, so I said, okay. So then her husband uh, said, yeah, you know, that's really right because I had some pain in my hip and and I just kind of declared, I spoke, God, it's in your hands. And what happened? It just went away, right? Next day it's gone. So anyway, it was a beautiful thing to hear that testimony. So I kind of meandered over to Joe, Joe and I said, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do or say, just like I said. But so I just said, you know, Joe, Romans uh, 8.11 says that if the spirit of him who raised Christ dwells in us, and he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to our mortal body. Mortal body. I mean, do we have a mortal body? Mm-hmm. So, so, I said, life. Life. I just started life to this thing. Life. I speak life to it. You know, just life to it. And I just kind of dropped it and went away. And then we met a little bit later in the week, and he shared that testimony of how all of a sudden he was speaking at at an engagement, and the pain went from here to here. And he said, what is this, you know? And and all of a sudden it just went away. So praise God. This is a testimony of Jesus answering our declaration, our God in heaven, our Father, answering our declarations of power in the Holy Spirit to speak to situations and everything else. And, And one of the things I also encourage Joe is he said, my family history has been diverticulitis. I don't even know what that means. But anyway, he said, he thought, thought, maybe that's it. And I said, I said, Joe, don't even entertain thoughts like that. You just pull those thoughts down. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. You don't want to give in to those thoughts because it will manifest in a way if you allow those thoughts. So anyway, it's just a testimony of Jesus. So we all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking the Word of God and proclaiming the Word of God and, and being like the wind. You just don't know where you're going. Every day is an adventure. You get up, you acknowledge God. You just never know how God's going to use you and encourage you, you know, in the realm of His Yeah, amen. 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 All right, let's get into the... Yes.
Yeah. Amen. Yeah, Bob. We don't talk about politics here, though, Bob. I just...
But we don't talk about politics here, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Pete. Good. About a year and a half ago, maybe two now, the Lord spoke to me. The iniquity of the Gentiles has not come in yet. Yeah. If you can turn to Acts chapter 2, I want to finish this series today on Pentecost and baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is number seven, so we've had six before that. We have gone very, very slow on purpose because I wanted... What I mentioned at the very beginning of this series is uh, a couple things. One, I'm, we're going to go very slow to uh, go over a lot of detail. But also, one of the things I asked everybody, because we've all come from different backgrounds, we've had different teaching, uh, especially on this particular topic. This is one of the most controversial topics in the Scripture, in the New Testament. And it is still controversial in the body of Christ and among some groups and different tribes. Uh, with lack of understanding. And so what I have asked everybody to do, I just want to remind you again, even though this is our last one, is let's just look at what the Scripture says. Not what we believe, not what we've been taught necessarily, what we think, all the mixture of different you know, sermons we've heard in the past or whatever. Let's just plainly look at the Scripture and let's look at what Jesus said. And that's what we've tried to do, what I've tried to present over these last several weeks. And so today I want to just briefly, even though it may not be super brief, just as a review of some of the things that we talked about. And then I want to share a few uh, things that we haven't yet. So we started this whole series on about the Feast of the Lord. And they're not Hebrew feasts. They're not Jewish feasts. They're gods. The, the word feast means what? It means a divine appointment or a dress rehearsal. And God established back in Exodus that there are four spring feasts or divine appointments and three fall. The last, the fourth or last of the spring feast is Pentecost. And at Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit was poured out. The Holy Spirit being poured out and people receiving, being filled with the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of Pentecost. That was the dress rehearsal over generations and generations of them. Uh, observing Pentecost, which originally was the early uh, summer wheat harvest festival or time. Later in Judaism, by the first century, it became uh, a celebration of Moses receiving the law on Mount Sinai. And as we mentioned last week, when you look in Acts 2 and you see the different elements there, like wind and fire and the voice of God, they're the same elements that were there on Mount Sinai when God was giving of the law. 
And in uh, Isaiah 33:22, it says, the Lord, he is our king. The Lord, he is our judge. The Lord, he is our lawgiver. That is the Godhead, all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the lawgiver. So John the Baptist, what did he say about the baptism of the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit? He said, I baptize in water, but one who is coming, Jesus, one who is coming after me, is going to baptize you in the Spirit and fire. Jesus' first miracle, we looked at all of that. His first miracle was what? He turned water, ceremonial cleansing water, which was represented of the Word, He turned water into wine, wine representing the spirit of God. So his very first miracle and what Jesus, part of what he came to do was because he was the living word is bring the word. But also when he left, the father was going to send his promise, the Holy Spirit. So we would have the word and the spirit, not just the word only. And even the the head waiter said, what you save the best for last. And we're living in that time. Aren't you so glad for that? Baptism, the word baptism means to be immersed in. When we hear the word baptism, we typically think of water. That's not, that's not what the word baptism means. If you look up the word baptism in the original uh, Greek, it is, has no reference to water whatsoever. The word baptism means to be immersed in. And there's many different types of baptisms. I mentioned over and over and over, and today we'll, we'll, find, we'll, we'll see it if you haven't already. This, words are powerful. Not any words, but words given to us by the Lord that we speak forward are powerful to destroy. And they're also powerful to create because the Lord has given us. We are his ambassadors. He's given us. It says the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. He's given us dominion uh, as we are subject to him and he gives us his words and we them or he gives us things to do it's just as powerful it's just as creative or or just as destructive as if he did it himself why because he did he just used us as a vessel to do it we talked about the tower of babel several times the tower of babel was a tower that was being built in the city of, of babel they were going up to god it was a one world the first global venture of one world government we're now in uh, tower of babel 2.0 And what did God do? God could have done anything he wanted to do to destroy the Tower of Babel. He could have threw hailstones down. He could have set it on fire. He could have set off a bomb. He could have done whatever he wanted to obliterate the Tower of Babel. But it's fascinating. He didn't do any of those things. What he did was confused language because they all had the same tongue. They all spoke the same language, which caused them to be in agreement and to unity and what God did to bring disunity. And yes, God sometimes causes disunity. And he did that by by confusing the language and separating them. And he did something very fascinating on the day of Pentecost. He brought a new language that unifies us. Jesus, what did Jesus say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? He told his disciples in, uh, or as apostles, and well, as disciples as well. In Acts chapter 1, he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for what the Father has promised. For not many days from now, you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? When a person receives the Holy Spirit, the main thing he's receiving is what? Power. How many of you want power? 
And I mentioned this earlier that when you are born again, you're born into the family of the, the family of the king, the king of kings, the Lord of all lords by by birth, the new birth. You are given authority because you are born in the king, you're born in the king's house. But the spirit of God, the baptism of the spirit of God fills us with the power to function within the authority that we already have. Amen. Does this work again? Amen. 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 Jesus said we will receive power. We are in we are born into violent warfare. We have an enemy. It's the enemy of God. His name is Satan. It is not Lucifer. It is Satan. Only King James Bible gave him the name Lucifer, by the way. But that's a side point. He is Satan. As an enemy, what would an enemy do to their enemy? He would attack the very things that would bring him the most harm. You following me? That's what enemies of warfare do. They look at their enemy, they assess their enemy, and then they attack those things that are going to bring them the most harm. Whether it be airfields or ships or weapons depots or headquarters or supply lines or whatever it is, they would go after those things first. And Satan is no different. He attacks the very things with veracity, fierceness. The very things that are going to bring him the most damage. That is why this particular topic, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, has been so attacked. Is because it has because Jesus said what? You're going to receive power. So what does the enemy do? Attack that power. Get good men behind pulpits and get them confused about what it really means. And have them preach messages that it's not for today. And all of these other kinds of things. And it's, and it's for evangelism, which we've already talked about that. It's not for evangelism. There's nothing in Scripture that says it's for evangelism. Jesus gave an illustration of the difference between what it is to be born again and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 4, verse 14, he said, Whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst. It's like a well of water that you can draw on and it springs up to eternal life. What's he talking about? The born again experience. The born again experience is like water that sits in a well. But water that sits in a well is just sitting there. Until what? We draw on it. And it's refreshing and it's for eternal life. And then a couple chapters later, in John chapter 7, he says, He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will do what? Will flow rivers of living water. Completely different manifestation. One, he's talking about water that sits in a well. Three chapters later, he's talking about rivers of living water. Water can have different manifestations. It could be sitting in a cup or or a flask like this. Notice I said flask because you can't see what's in it. Just kidding. It's water. But right after he said rivers of living water, the scripture is very plain. But it says, but this he spoke of the spirit whom those who have believed in him were to receive. 
For the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what did Jesus say? When you're born again, you receive water like a well that you can draw on. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, now you've got rivers of living water flowing from your innermost being. Completely different. Completely different. Because what did Jesus say? He said you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. John chapter 20, verse 22 This is post-resurrection after Jesus uh, uh, came out of the grave. He did something at his first meeting with the apostles, but Thomas wasn't there. He did what? He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that from the text. When you're just looking at the text, what happened after he breathed on them? Nothing. And it's interesting how we we just we, we assume lots of things. But what Jesus was doing was he was prophetically stating that when he breathed on them, that eventually here in the next several days, that the breath of God was coming. He didn't tell them that, but the breath of God was coming into the room that they were in. Jesus told his disciples not to leave Jerusalem. Wait until you receive the gift from the Father, the Holy Spirit. They gathered together. When they gathered together, what did they say? What does the scripture say? They're all of one mind. They're praying. As they're praying, Peter stands up, he quotes Scripture, and he says, hey, we've got to replace Judas. What were they doing? They were forming or, or repairing, I, should, I could say, the ecclesia. Because the number of 12, Jesus picked 12 specifically because 12 is the number of government. So when they were forming this government, they had to put the government back together with getting another uh, apostle in line setting the foundation, and once they did that, then the Holy Spirit was poured out. It's very fascinating, and we look at all of those things. On the day of Pentecost, a major shift was happening in Judaism. Sadly, even today, 2,000 years ago, many still don't understand it. And what was that shift? Until the day of Pentecost, Judaism was Torah or law-centered. And it was Torah or law-directed. But on the day of Pentecost, everything changed in that manner. It is now Christ-centered and Holy Spirit-directed. Christ-centered and Holy Spirit-directed. Galatians 3, 24-25 says, When the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer in need of a tutor. Acts chapter 2. Did I already ask you to turn there? Acts chapter 2. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come or was being fulfilled, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise. That word noise is the word echo. Echo. Suddenly there came from heaven an echo like a violent rushing wind. The word wind there is breath of God. Jesus, days prior, almost 50, breathes on his apostles and says, receive the Holy Spirit. The manifestation of him breathing, his prophetic breath on them, came 50 days later at the day of Pentecost. And it says, an echo from heaven came, the breath of God breathed into that room. Man, that's just amazing to me. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Side note, mentioned this earlier. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem. 
this wind, this echo from heaven did not fill Jerusalem. It filled the room that the apostles decided to go there and everybody that was with them, up to 120, received. It filled the room where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire. It wasn't tongues of fire, but it was as of fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them. Not just the apostles, but everybody that was there. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to slow down. God breathed and like a violent rushing breath of God came in that room. And it was an echo from heaven. Directly from heaven. It didn't come from the east, the west, or the south, or the north. It came from heaven into that room. All 120 are filled with the Holy Spirit. They didn't get a sprinkling. They didn't get a portion. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at the text. What happened as a result of them being filled with the Spirit of God. And they began to speak with other languages. Notice it says other. The inference there is other than their native tongue. Other languages that they hadn't learned before. Is that what the text says? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then say their hair was on fire. They started dancing and, you know, playing tambourine. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other languages. Isn't that what the text says? That's what the text says. As the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, was giving them the utterance. The ability to speak. That's what it means. The Holy Spirit wasn't doing the talking. The Holy Spirit didn't come over them and take their jaws and move it up and down on their vocal cords and make words come out. But He was enabling them to speak in a language they'd never learned before. Remember the Tower of Babel. In this unity that was on the earth that God was not in. He had nothing to do with it. Matter of fact, he didn't like it. He came down and said, look at what they're doing. Nothing now is going to be impossible to them. Because they're of an agreement. They're speaking the same language. And they're working together. Unity is powerful, even apart from God. But what did God do? He didn't kick it down. He didn't blow and just spread them all over the place. He confused their language. Because words are powerful. And what is he doing now in Pentecost? He's unifying our language. He's unifying our language. You see, this Tower of Babel 2.0 that we're, we're in right now, there is a universal language. It's ones and zeros. It's computer language that speaks to one another. Because we're, 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 we're really basically in a technocracy. So they began to speak... 
in other languages that they'd never learned as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Verse 5. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together. Notice, it wasn't quiet. It's interesting how many Christians and pastors, when they talk about this, well, maybe that's your prayer. It's your prayer language, and it should be just between you and God, and it should be quiet. Well, where's that in Scripture? I want to see it. Matter of fact, the speaking in tongues is never even talked about as a prayer language. It's the language of the Spirit. To be led and guided by the Spirit when we yield ourselves to the Spirit. There is a law. We've talked about it before. It's called the law of first mention. The law of first mention in Scripture means when anything is first mentioned, it typically gives us a pattern it typically gives us a, helps us with a definition of what this really means and how it plays out. And so what did we see? We saw they were filled with the Holy Spirit and immediately what happened, they began to speak a language they'd never learned before. And they weren't quiet. They were doing it out loud. So much so, you got 120 people, you know, speaking in, in a different language. It drew a crowd because it was the day of festival of Pentecost. And there were Jews that came. And if you read further, there's at least 15 different languages that are actually listed there. Let's read that. Verse 6, And this was the sound occurred. The crowd came together and they were bewildered. In other words, they were confused. They'd never seen anything like this. They just came upon this crowd this of 120 people and they're all speaking a language that they've never learned before. How did they know that? Because the, the text tells us, aren't these all from Galilee? In other words, they, we're hearing our languages, our native tongue, but we know they can't speak it. But they're speaking it. What's going on? Each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Verse 7, they were amazed and astonished, saying, Aren't these all speaking, aren't they from Galilee or Galileans? How is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? And there's at least 15 of them named there. Verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, here's what they hear. We hear them in our own language speaking of the mighty deeds of God. That's what they heard them saying. Now, does the text say we hear them preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we, does the text say we hear them preaching the gospel of the kingdom? What does the text say? They, we hear them speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Now, when you're preaching the gospel, you can include the mighty deeds of God, obviously. But if you're speaking of the mighty deeds of God, it doesn't mean you're preaching the gospel. So right here, it is already telling us that tongues were not for preaching the gospel. If it were, my big question is, how come it's still not happening today? I've traveled a lot. I've been to a lot of different countries, missionary work. I've always had to have an interpreter. I know lots of missionaries. They have to learn the language. I'm not saying God couldn't do that. Because He could. 
give somebody the language and learn it supernaturally. But that's not what was happening here. Verse 12, they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? Remember, these are all Jews. They're being obedient to God by being in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, the dress rehearsal and divine appointment. For generations they've been doing this. And look, the manifestation of it, the fulfillment of it is happening in their midst, even though they've been in the dress rehearsal their entire life, every year, and they still had no idea what was going on. Isn't it amazing? The Bible says Jesus walks among the lampstands. Talking about ecclesias. How many people are aware that he's walking among them? Jesus is in the street preaching and talking to the very people that go to the temple praying for the Messiah to return. And the Messiah is there talking to them and they have no idea who he is. It's fascinating. The level of deception. And we're in a time of deception like no other. That way I've never experienced, never seen. The blindness on people's cloaked with today. Shocking. What does this mean? Verse 13. And others, just like today, because the more things change, the more they stay the same, were mocking and saying, ah, oh, they're drunk. What does man like to do a lot when they don't understand something? They want to reject it, make fun of it, criticize it, kill it, attack it. You see... No matter how close we are to the Lord, we can actually be a tool for the enemy if we're not careful. Peter, you're the Messiah, son of the living God. The next verse, he's rebuking Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Get behind me, Satan, for you're a stumbling block to me. Jesus recognized Boy, do we need discernment like that today. That even when it's coming from somebody so close like Peter, that we recognize that's the enemy. Get behind me, Satan. You're not seeking after God's interest, but man's interest. It sounds like a few politicians I know, but we don't talk about politics here. <laughs> Verse 14, but Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judah and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. What is Peter doing? He's going to tell us what's happening. All you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words, for these men are not drunk like you think. For it's only the third hour of the day. It's 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. I want to take a break here for just a second. If you need to go to the bathroom, go ahead. If you need to get something to eat, get gas in your car. I'm just kidding. I want to mention Peter. Because here's something I think, and I've seen this over the years, that gets a little confusing with some people. The Holy Spirit, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus said you're going to receive power. And what did Jesus say? Power to do what? To be my witnesses. 
to testify, to witness, to preach, to, to do the works of the kingdom on earth. And here's what I want to say about Peter. Peter had natural boldness and natural courage. And there are people, Christians, that have natural boldness and a natural courage. That is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's not confuse natural boldness and natural courage. The baptism of the Holy Spirit gives supernatural boldness and supernatural courage. And we can see that typified in Peter's life. Because Peter was very bold, if you read the Gospels. Very bold. Outspoken. He's the only one of them that walked on water. He did all kinds of stuff and was, was out there, very bold. Seems like he had some courage. Until Jesus was arrested. But as I mentioned several times through this, now, let's remember what was going on. We're only 50 days past the resurrection. They're in the same city that arrested their Messiah, beat him, crucified him, and put him in a tomb with a stone. And now he's missing. He raised from the dead, and a lot of people have no idea what happened. The Bible tells us that the, the apostles went to the upper room with door. They were behind shut doors, meaning locked. And it specifically says for fear of the Jews. So they were in fear. Until the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now they're in the street speaking in languages they've never learned, drawing a crowd and Peter stands up. Now he's got supernatural boldness. And supernatural courage. Because they know they could be arrested. And they could have the same fate that happened to Jesus. So let's not confuse natural boldness and natural courage. I've seen way too many you know, Christians try to work up this natural courage and boldness. It's, it's not about the natural. It's about the supernatural. So Peter takes his stand. And he says, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my word. These men are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. For this is what the prophet, what is spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Yes, we are in the last days and they started 2,000 years ago. So let's not get confused about that either. God says, I will pour forth of my spirit. What is he saying? This is what's happening. Joel prophesied it. The pouring forth of my spirit is happening right here today. Your sons and your daughters shall preach the kingdom message. No, they shall prophesy. What is prophesying? Prophesying is saying what God's saying. It's saying what God is saying to say. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on the bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall what? Prophesy. He says it again. Prophesying. Speaking that which God is speaking. That's what prophecy is. That's why we practice that here. Listening to what the Spirit of God is saying. Why? So we can speak what He's saying. That's it. That's prophecy. You don't have to get up and say, thus saith the Lord. That may or may not be prophecy. Just speaking forth what you're hearing from the Spirit of God. He says it what? Twice. Prophesy. Verse 19. I will grant wonders in the sky above, signs on the earth below. What's he saying? The pouring forth of the Spirit will cause people to do what? Speak. 
prophesying. And it will cause them to prophesy in a language they've never learned before. And what else did he say? There's going to be signs and miracles poured forth. And we see that immediately. They start doing performing signs and healing and all kinds of things. I'll grant wonders in the sky above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then he preaches one of the most powerful, convicting, anointed messages in Scripture. He uses Scripture. And then he says this. You're the ones that did this. You crucified Jesus. But notice here in verse 33. He says, Having been exalted to Jesus, have been exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured forth this which you both what? See and hear. So the pouring forth of the Spirit is something visual and audible. That's what Peter said. He's standing right there. He's telling everybody and explaining everybody what was just happening. What you are seeing and what you are hearing is what God promised. The pouring forth of the Spirit of God. Then he says at the very end, uh, of his message. Verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. End of message. No, that was the end of his message. There, there's no call to salvation. There's, there's no altar call. Did you know altar calls are relatively recent developments in Christianity? 150 years or so? Is it? So nearly 1,900 years of preaching, there were no altar calls. There was anointed, prophetic, filled with the Spirit of God messages that did just this because men said, what must we do? Instead of trying to, come on, come on, repeat this prayer, come on. They were convicted by the Spirit of God and said, what must we do? And this message wasn't even all that long. Powerful. Oh my gosh, I'm chilling all over. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Let's notice two immediate results or is that the right word? Manifestations, what's the right word, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Two. Different languages were being spoken. And the boldness and courage 
the power that came upon Peter is really undeniable. The stark difference of Peter. Remember last week I was talking about music and the Lord led me to that verse where Saul went and he's traveling and and Samuel even told him you're going to come upon that group of prophets and they were playing tambourines and they had a guitar. They had all this instruments. And the, 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 the passage specifically says when Saul came upon them, that he was changed into another man. That's what happened to Peter. He was changed. That's what happened to all of them. Not completely different. They were changed into a their Their natural boldness and courage and wisdom was far exceeded now by the supernatural. That's what we need today. The warfare we are in today, what we're facing in this nation, the globe today, we have got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. We will never be able to fight this in our own natural strength, wisdom, and insight. No man but the man Jesus Christ has come to our rescue. So at the end of verse 37, the brethren cry out, what shall we do? What did Peter say? What does Peter say? He says to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You remember how many times I've talked about baptism in Matthew 28, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Notice Peter did not say and be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, repent, turn, turn to Christ and be baptized in the what? Name of Jesus Christ. And he stopped. Because there's three immersions. We need to be immersed in Father, immersed in Son, and immersed in Holy Spirit. And Peter does this several different times. He says, be baptized in the name of Jesus. He didn't say in the name of Jesus, or the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like so many today, like I learned, like I did for years. Until the Lord awakened me to this. He says this, repent, turn And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice there's two things here. This is the pattern Jesus lived out for us. He went to the River Jordan. He was water baptized by by John. He comes up out of the water. Then there was a second event. The Holy Spirit came and descended on him like a dove, and now he's filled with the Spirit of God. If you read Luke's version, it says the Spirit led him, Jesus being full of the Spirit of God, was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When when those temptations were over, Luke's Gospel says this, he came out in the power of the Spirit of God. I've heard it said before, what's really the first... The first uh, result, the manifestation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's trouble. <laughs> I mean, have you ever heard that one? Before? It's trouble. 
Well, that's what happened to Jesus. Immediately, the Spirit led him out to the wilderness by himself alone. Well, he wasn't alone. He had the Father with him, and then angels came and ministered to him. Real quick, in closing, turn that. Well, I'll I'll just do it. You don't have to turn there, but it's Acts chapter eight. The Bible has told us there's a there is a law like the law of uh, first mention, but there's also another law. There's several laws that not heavy that we have to obey or we're going to hell type laws, but that help us understand what certain scriptures say. And Jesus talked about this too. And it's all throughout the Scripture. And it's this law. Let every fact be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Let every fact be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And, and that's in Matthew 18, too, where two or three are gathered. Because that is the law. Let every fact be confirmed by two or three witnesses. It doesn't mean like 99% of the body of Christ say, wherever two or three are gathered, there he is in our midst. That's not what that means. It is the law of two or three. Do you know the law of two or three also pertains to Scripture? In other words, let two or three Scriptures bear witness to the, to the truth of facts. And so, it's so easy, as we know, we could take one Scripture and we can make it say whatever we want. But what do other Scriptures have to say about the same thing? Okay, that, that helps. And we're going to look at two real quick, maybe three. Oh my gosh, does anybody have to leave? If you have to, go ahead. Yeah, first closing. That gives me an extra 30 minutes before the second one. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. Right on, thank you. So here is Philip, the evangelist Philip. He goes to Samaria. He preaches the gospel. And we'll pick it up in verse uh, 13. So there's a guy involved in witchcraft there, Simon. And it says, Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. So what he would, the dark arts he was practicing, this was so far beyond that. He was just constantly amazed. Verse 14, it says, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Word of God. What did they receive? The Word of God, which is Jesus. They sent them Peter and John. So Philip preaches the Gospel message in Samaria. They had received the Word of God. The apostles hear about it in Jerusalem. They send uh, Peter and John to them. And they who came down and they prayed, Peter and John prayed for them at Samaria that they may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, wait a minute. So, Philip preaches the gospel and it says they received the word and they were baptized. Water, baptized. But Philip didn't mention to them about the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Because Peter and John go down. And talk to them about it. And prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So were they saved after Peter's, like, Philip? Yes, they were born again. They were saved. They were water baptized. But they had yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, when the, so let's look at verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No. They were simply baptized. We've seen this twice, and that's not even our topic about baptism. They were simply baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Which means what? They genuinely repented. They genuinely received Christ. They were genuinely born again, but they had not received power because they were not immersed or baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 9, real quick. Paul's blind. This is when he was Saul. He was blind. Ananias comes, lays hands on him so he can see again. And he regained his sight and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Later, Paul had a lot to speak about, especially to the Corinthians, about speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through verse 48. While Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. He didn't go laying hands on him. We don't even know what he was talking about. He was preaching a message. As he's preaching this message, the Holy Spirit falls on all of them. The whole group. Verse 45, all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed. Why were they amazed? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the Gentiles. Oh man, you're talking about big controversy now. Yeah, whoa, we got some problems that we're going to have to work through. Verse 46, what were they doing? They were hearing them speaking with other languages and doing what? Exalting God, not preaching the gospel, exalting God. So they, Peter's preaching, the Holy Spirit falls. What happened? The people are just starting to speak out in tongues, other languages, exalting God. Isn't this beautiful? Then in verse 48, oh, verse 47, surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who had received the Holy Spirit just as we did. They hadn't even been baptized in water yet. Look, the Holy Spirit can do it however the Holy Spirit wants to do it. The same way with me. I was water baptized here. Matter of fact, I wasn't water baptized until I was pastor of this congregation. But that's another story. (laughs) Again, once again, at the Tower of Babel, God disunifies people by confusing language. At Pentecost, He now brings a unifying language of the Spirit. Words are powerful. God created the world with words. Jesus healed with words, cast out demons with words, preached the message of the kingdom with words. A new language or words is given as part of receiving power from the Holy Spirit in the Holy Spirit's baptism. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this by the unction of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. One who speaks in a tongue or another language, they don't speak to men. They speak to God. Let me add this too. They don't speak to the devil. There's no scripture that says speaking in tongues is speaking to the devil. 
But there is Scripture that says they're speaking to God. For no one understands. This, this is where it messes with your mind. How many of you ever learned another language? I've tried to. A lot. And I was never good. But I know when you, when I at least first learned to speak another language that I'd never learned before, it felt weird. It just felt weird. How many of you ever heard another language that you don't understand? Every hand should go up on not really weird, is it? That's pretty normal because there's a lot of languages on the earth. There's over 7,000, by the way, of languages on the earth. There's many of them. But just because I don't understand a one of them doesn't mean they're not speaking and communicating intelligently. It's just, I don't understand it. I don't comprehend. I don't, under, don't know what they're saying. Now, in Spanish, if they're slow, I can pick out words. You know, like taco and burrito and salsa. (laughs) Yeah, I know baño, yeah. Just kidding. For one who speaks, this is chapter 14, verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God. For no one understands. But in his spirit, he's speaking mysteries. Now, the word mystery in Scripture is not like we think of mystery like we just can't figure it out. Mystery really means they're speaking divine revelation. Divine revelation. At, I'm going to add this, the appointed time. When we yield ourselves, just like if you were learning another language and let's say you're going to Spanish class and the teacher says, repeat this word and pronounces it, and you're practicing pronunciation, the teacher doesn't make you talk. Something doesn't come over you and just make you speak. You initiate it. You open your mouth, and you just begin to pronounce the sounds you're hearing from the instructor. And then you learn a word, and then you learn more words. Right? It's pretty much how learning a whole other language. Just, just a minute. You just repeat those sounds, and maybe you know what that word is, or maybe you don't. But notice what this passage says again. When you speak in a tongue, you're speaking to God, and no one, I'm a no one. So if I'm speaking, I'm one of the no ones that understand what I'm saying. Unless the Holy Spirit decides that he gives me the interpretation. See, this takes total yielding to the Spirit of God. But I have to open up my mouth and begin speaking as the Spirit gives utterance, is enabling the Word. First Corinthians 14, 14 says this, last scripture, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit is praying. Whew, that is so But my mind is unfruitful. So what's happening? I'm yielding to the Spirit of God. What I'm really doing is I am prophesying from the Spirit 
just in words I'd never learned before. It's really, that's the only difference than if I were prophesying in English the words I have learned before. Because both of them take a yielding to the Spirit of God. If you've ever prophesied, especially in a group, I know my first time, my first several times, I'm nervous because I want to make sure it's accurate. But here it says your mind, when you are yielding to the Spirit of God and you're praying in a language you've never learned, your mind is unfruitful. This is where it messes with people. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. That's good. You're yielding to the Spirit of God. That's scriptural. You're you're yielding to the Spirit and you're speaking forth the words that are given by the Spirit. There can be nothing more perfect, no more perfect prayer, no more perfect prophetic word than that. Because my mind's out of it. I don't know about you, but when I get words for the Lord like I had this morning, I typically write them down. But I have a temptation to add or subtract sometimes. I'm learning and still learning to just say what you're hearing. I don't have to explain anything. I have to add to it. You know, sometimes you get stuff and it's like, oh, nobody's going to know what you just said. It's not my business. There isn't. It's not our business. When we are receiving something from the Lord, it's to give it. Let the Holy Spirit do whatever the Holy Spirit does. And if it was wrong, it was wrong, and the Holy Spirit can take care of that too. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said you're going to receive power. And if there is something that is really lacking in the body of Christ, it is Holy Ghost power. Jesus, John, again, said you're going to, Jesus was going to baptize you in the Spirit and we're with fire. In other words, you're going to receive firepower. So beyond the natural. And this is what we need. Especially, we need it all the time, no matter what's going on. But especially in this hour. In the war we find ourselves in. We need it. We need discernment. Do you know how, almost everything out there, almost everything, I mean the lie and the deception is so rampant. I mean, if you're going to Google and asking Google questions, I'm, you might forget it. They're telling you what they want you to know. They're not telling you the truth. It's, and it's all like that. The internet, social media, we, but we have to have the sensitivity of the Spirit to know. Not, not natural judgmentalism, Spirit-guided discernment and the power of the Holy Spirit. So before we leave today, if you have never been prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to lay hands on you and pray for you before you leave. Because I want you to receive... Everything God has for you. I want you to receive the Holy Spirit and power. And maybe you've been prayed for before and, you know, maybe you spoke in tongues a time or two or, you know, you let the enemy. I know when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I had a great advantage. I was so young in the Lord, I never even heard of it before. And a pastor said, you want this? And he showed me in the Word and I said, I want it. I literally said, I want everything God has for me. He prayed on me, man. I started speaking in tongues immediately. And, and But I was attacked immediately because the enemy hates this. Hates it. It's because it gives us power. But he wasn't pleased with Peter standing up in boldness and courage and all. 3,000 men gave their life to the Lord. And the next time, 5,000. I mean, that's true exponential growth. And 
you know, lifting up a guy that couldn't walk and now he's healed and beginning to see blind eyes open and, and casting out demons. And no, the enemy hates that. And kidney stones. And, <laughs> I got to stop. I, was, I had something that I'm not going to say it. So if you would like to be prayed for before we leave, would you please come forward now? I want to play. I want to lay hands on you. I'm going to have Dale come up with me, too. But if you've maybe struggled in this this area too, struggled with uh, uh, the whole thought of baptism and the Holy Spirit, what it means. Maybe you're still trying to work out the doctrinal aspects of all of that. I just ask you to do this, like I've asked at the beginning of this series, just what does the Scripture say? Yield yourself completely and 100%. That's really what the Lord wants. He wants a complete and total yielding of ourselves to Him. And And here's what I am not going to do, okay? I am not going to pray in tongues over you. I'm not encouraging you to pray in tongues. I'm not going to say, listen to me and let's just keep going. I'm going to lay my hands on you and ask you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because it's really not us that baptize. It's the Spirit of God that baptizes you in the Spirit. And just like when Jesus breathed on His disciples, it wasn't until nearly two months later that they actually received it. I've laid hands on people and weeks later, a day later, whatever, all of a sudden at home, they're just tongues is coming out. I don't want this to be a forced thing at all. I just want to pray for you and however God wants to do it. God wants, God does it. Amen. Thank you guys for responding, for coming and, and saying, I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. Father, thank you so much. We just lay hands on these, on Portia. Portia, be filled in the Spirit of God. Be baptized and completely immersed in the power of God. Father, thank you for Marion, God. I thank you for the man that he is, for the wisdom that you've given him over the years, for the love that he has for you and for truth. And I ask you now, by the Spirit of God, to baptize him and immerse him completely and fully in the power and with fire of the Spirit of God. Thank you so much for Chris, Lord God, that he has a heart for you. I see it on his face. It's in his mind. It's in his heart that he loves you and he's, he wants to be fully equipped in power. So I pray, Father God, right now I speak to him. Chris, you be baptized and immersed in the Spirit of God. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Lord God. We bless you. We bless you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We thank you that you fill us with power, fire. Give them new language, Lord God, a language that you would have them speak, Father God. Glory be to God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father God. Glory, glory, glory. Now, I will say this one last thing that may or may not happen. Sometimes, uh, and this still happens with me, I hear sounds on the inside. You know what I mean? It's not other voices. I hear like sounds. They're not actually English. It's that what it is. These sounds are another language I hadn't learned. And so when I hear these sounds, I just give voice to it. 
Whatever that sound you're hearing in your heart, I just speak, just speak it out. Whether you're, that happens today or tomorrow or while you're brushing your teeth or I was going to say combing your hair, but Chris, you wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> or whenever it happens, just speak forth. Because the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit requires a complete and total yielding. Amen? Thank you guys so much. Love each one of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory be to God. Father, thank you for the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you. You know, Jesus said it was good for him to go. He goes, guys, this is better if I leave. Because when I leave, the Spirit of God's coming, the Holy Spirit's coming. And he could be on all of you simultaneously all over the globe. Amen. Love you guys, each one of you. Thank you. Thank you for bearing with me and staying here as long as you did. Now get out and go home.